Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. It's The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, November 5th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. And later on, we are going to be joined by my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, El Rey de Fantasia, the King Scott Angle. Before we get to Scott, though, let's give you the top line headlines because, listen, after week nine, which is going to end tonight with the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans, that's a big Monday night game, a non-conference matchup for two teams that need to keep pace in their division. But before we get to that, we are going to break down all the news and notes, any of the Injuries, any of the big time players and any of the fugazis that defecated the mattress and left you wanting more. That's how we're going to do it here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I also got to let people know that what you need to do is call the phone number 844-843-6879 if you want to help us put the fun in functional sports content. I also got to let you know that if right now after tomorrow you're going to be something like four and five, you are still in the playoff picture. So what you need to do is go on over to rotoexperts.com and go get the Roto Experts exclusive edge in-season fantasy football package. You could enter the promo code THEKING at checkout, but because the king still hasn't joined us yet today, I'm going to tell you instead, enter the promo code SPEEDS at checkout so you can get everything you need to make a playoff push in fantasy football this year. Let's get it started um, with what I think was the game of the week, and in the NFC, what may be the game of the season, the New Orleans Saints 
take out the Los Angeles Rams, giving them their first loss of the season. The Saints win this game 45-35. to People were wondering if this game was going to go over the total that was really high at about 60, and boy, did it ever. I personally was in a sports book down in Atlantic City, on Sunday, and I was like, hmm, this first half over under of 28, that looks pretty good. Let's lay a couple of shekels on that. Cha-ching! And if you bet the over on anything in this game, it came home for you. Look at the quarterback performances in this effort. First of all, Jared Goff going 28 for 40, 391 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick in the dome. People are saying that Todd Gurley had a quiet game, but I'd love it if my quiet game winds up being oh let's see I don't know winds up being 79 yards and a touchdown and six catches we're talking about 20 points in PPR scoring and people are saying that he had a down game you know everybody in the passing game was there like usual too Brandon Cooks in his return to the dome pops off six for 114 and a touchdown Cooper Cup has a nice game augmented by that 41 yard touchdown catch on a crossing pattern then he goes down the left sideline five for 89 and a touchdown for cup wood shows up as well five for 71 and it's the same thing on the Saints side with one notable exception that we will get to in a second but drew Brees starts lighting it up 25 of 36 346 yards and four touchdowns okay kamara another big game 19 for 82 and two touchdowns But Michael Thomas with a career high, 211 yards receiving, 12 catches and a touchdown. He certainly helped people win weeks for owners. Michael Thomas making his uncle Keyshawn Johnson proud. I think the uh, MVP talk for Drew Brees is going to start as well. Remember, as I said, don't look now, but if the Saints win this game, they're going to be in pole position for the number one seed in the NFC, and that's exactly where they are. They are announcing themselves, and they are making it known that if the NFC goes through New Orleans, it might be a problem, and the Saints fans may be standing up and getting crunk, and the Saints may be marching in to the Super Bowl. And that leaves me to our poll question, our man Chris Bavona, the manimal down there in the fantasy pit of misery, is going to put up our poll question for the day. Who is the best one-loss team in the NFL? Okay, we now have no more undefeated teams. The 1972 Dolphins can pop the champagne again. Mercury Morris will do his dance. Who's the best one-loss team in the NFL? Is it the 8-1 and one Rams, who've just suffered their first loss, but obviously still look really good? Is it the 8-1 and one Kansas City Chiefs, who we will get to in a second? They look good getting another victory. Patty Mahomes continues to not be able to be stopped. Or are it these New Orleans Saints, who just got a victory and beat the previously undefeated Rams? I think that is a very interesting question. Go on over to at FNTSY radio you could also find it at spit and speeds at scotty roto x who is the best one loss team in the nfl i think uh you know guys the new orleans saints have definitely entered the conversation remember their only loss so far this season was the fitz magic in that first you know the magic spell was put on them in the first uh game of the season 
they have been absolutely on fire ever since then. The only thing about this game that I think if you're a Saints fan, if you're a fantasy owner, that you have to be concerned about is Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram with only nine carries for 33 yards. He gets banged up. It looks like an elbow, a wrist, a forearm kind of issue. He has nine for 33. He also only one catch for three yards. Okay, so only 36 yards. And you think if the Saints go ahead and score 45 points, you got to figure that everybody, including a stud like Mark Ingram, would produce. But he only gets four and a half points. He is a fugazi defecating the mattress. We now at this point do have my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, the King, Scott Angle. How you feeling, Scotty? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, yeah, successful day in fantasy for me. I think I won in uh, all but one league. Okay, great. Um, yeah. It's not always about you, Scott. Come on, how about how about the rest of the how about the rest of the day, the rest of the world? How you feeling, brother? It's not just about how you did. I'm asking how you feel you in general me, about you football. You asked me how how are you doing? So you know, that's, yeah, that's, and that's, that's only about I'm your doing. fantasy leagues. Oh, okay, right. how you're doing is a is a complete product of your fantasy success. But we're talking about this 45-35 Saints Rams game, and I was saying this production for everybody involved. But are you concerned about Mark Ingram? I think you have to be. Uh, you know, we saw that first game where he returned and he dominated the snaps. But in the three games ever since, it's been all about Kamara. Last week, he got seventy-one percent of the snaps. And you know, we've seen in the past where Sean Sean Payton is, uh, you know, put Mark Ingram in the doghouse. You know, for some right. reason, I think he's in there again. It could be. That could be the case, um, you know, but it could also be just that Alvin Kamara is such a beast. He gets 23 touches, 19 carries, four catches. Mark Ingram, only 10. But, hey, Kamara has, continues well, to do one it. one thing about – I'm sorry. It was one, one thing about you know, he's such a beast, but, you know, if you have two good running backs, you know, it's like the Steelers have conceptually talked about. You, you, find a, you find a way to use both there. You know, both these guys are very effective. We saw that in Ingram's first game back. So it's, it's not just about Kamara being really good. There's something else going on there, I think. Okay, so uh, we will keep it moving then. The next game that I wanted to talk about with you, Scott, is another big-time team that continues to announce themselves. I'm talking about Sunday Night Football. We're talking about the New England Patriots who get a 31-17 victory over the Green Bay Packers. We can talk about the Packers side and, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, and what's going on in Green Bay in a second. But I got to ask you something about these New England Patriots. Um, are they going to all of a sudden on these websites start giving Cordero Patterson a running back uh, tag? Yeah, that was something very interesting I was thinking about last night. It was made, reminded me about Marcus Colston when he came into the league as a tight end and uh, some – some league, some uh, some sites gave him tight end. Other gave him wide receiver. I see. That's the thing. I don't. There's nothing official about it. I think it's really up to the individual site. But I think after two games of seeing him play running back, I think I think he has to have that eligibility. But I don't think he can have dual eligibility. I think he's either going to be a running back, a wide receiver. But you know, if I if I was running the fantasy department, I'm like. How much uh, has he really played wide receiver? This and the is last true. two games, the last two games, he's been only a running back. And I would say, uh, I don't believe there's a hard and fast rule, but I think there should be a certain amount of carries, a certain amount of games, maybe across the industry or at least per site, where right. where you just have that rule hard and fast, and people could read it. I don't so think there my- is. 
Yeah, I, I would ask you because, you know, you mentioned uh, previously uh, Marcus Colston. There are others. Currently in Yahoo, Jalen Samuels, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, has a dual eligibility as well because of how he came out um, in college. Now, I think you're right, though, because when you're talking about position by position, it can't necessarily be carries because what happens when a, a guy starts as a running back and becomes kind of a wide receiver? I think it has to be like, remember also when Jimmy Graham a couple of years ago was going for arbitration and he was talking about how he's really should be paid in arbitration like a wide receiver instead of like a tight end and what his agents used was the number of snaps the percentages of snaps that he lined up in different positions and I think that would have to be the way you go about it Scotty you know that if there's a you know you talk about say like eligibility in baseball right in a lot of formats exactly 10 games they need 10 games at a certain position and that's why it was so big I think it was correct me if I'm wrong I think it was Anthony Rizzo that wind up with second base eligibility because he had 10 games as that at the end of the season and so I think it has to be a number of snaps or a percentage of snaps Scott because it couldn't be touches you know what I mean does that make sense yeah I, I think it could be either one I, I I think both of them are valid you know amount of snaps you know amount of carries amount yeah. of games played I think I think all of them are valid you just have to decide on one and for me personally uh, you know, I, I like I like amount I like amount of carries personally, but so uh, I'm good with all of them. Question though, how could it be amount? That's my question. I don't know that it could be amount of carries. It could be in this situation you're talking about for Cordero Patterson, a wide receiver who is seeking to gain running back eligibility. But that that wouldn't work, Scott. For the flip side, let's say you have, for example, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, right? But let's say the Detroit Lions decide to move. Theo Riddick to wide receiver, or the Baltimore Ravens decide to move Ty Montgomery to wide receiver, going the other way to gain the wide receiver eligibility, it couldn't be a number of carries that qualify. You know what I mean? No, it'd be a number of receptions. Right. So that's why I'm saying it couldn't be carries. It has to be about like snaps at a position. Because about carries or receptions would only work for gaining one kind of eligibility to do something global, which was a recommendation across the industry, some kind of standard. It, had to, it would have to fit for all positions. Right, because you're saying running backs get receptions too, but you know running backs get snaps too. So it's uh, right. That's why I'm know. saying snaps, not carries. You were advocating for carries. I'm saying it needs to be snaps so that it could be global for all the positions. See, it's a little bit of hole in that. You know, it's just really where you're lining up. You're lining up on the field. You know, to go one way, like you're actually carrying the ball. The the, the you know the the quarterbacks handing it off. Handing it off to you, so you're clearly a running back. I, I think we'd have to. I think you'd have to take it on an individual basis, and then we'd have to figure out something for the other way, which uh, I I can't remember when it's happened. Um, okay. I, I think it. I think it back to Reggie Bush, and I used to joke around that Reggie Bush should get wide receiver eligibility because maybe we'd have to get more in the weeds with that. If you're not getting any carries, but all you're getting is receptions, I think that's the other way you flip it. Right, but uh, I, I'm not. I'm I not. Think, I'm not totally. I'm not totally against what, what you're saying either. I'm just saying, you know, that's what I personally prefer. Okay, well, when we're talking about Cordell Patterson, let's 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 at the same time, though, <laughs> almost simultaneously pour water on this fire, uh, because Scott, you got to expect maybe you do expect maybe Sony Michelle to be back next week, right? And so I I, I say this to mean uh, this idea of. You know, maybe maybe some people would think Cordero Patterson all of a sudden is like a waiver wire ad because he has been getting this kind of production. You know, he has been – listen, he had 11 carries. He had a rushing touchdown yesterday. But I guess the bigger point is that that goes away when Sony Michelle is back, correct? 
Uh, I would I would think so for the most part, but it's kind of a gadget thing that the Patriots always do. So I don't think it completely disappears when Sony Michelle has to come out of the game and like all of a sudden it's like a gadget thing, like a Lamar Jackson thing. Like, oh, Cordarrelle Patterson's in the backfield. The defense is guessing. Uh, the defense is guessing what they're going to do. Like, uh, we were talking to Sam Garns, the former Jet and Giant, yesterday on uh, Lineup Lock Live. And they said when he was coaching with, like, the Broncos and the Bears, whenever they play with Belichick, you know, the one thing with Belichick is he would always keep the defense guessing, the players, the coaches, etc. What the heck are they going to do? He's always trying to keep a step ahead. So I don't think it completely goes away. They're not to a point where it matters for fantasy perspectives, but – from a pure NFL perspective, you know, defense is going to guess what the heck are they going to do with Patterson in there? They're going to throw, they're going to run, etc. So it puts that question in your mind. So you might still see it a few times a game. Yep, uh, that makes sense. And Scotty, before you joined us this morning, I put up a poll with the, the manimal Chris Bavona asking who is the best one loss team in the NFL. We now have three as the '72 Dolphins pop their corks again. The Rams at eight and one, the Chiefs at eight and one, or the Saints at seven and one. Who's your pick right now? The Rams, the Chiefs, the Saints. It's that's really tough because the the there's a team with two losses that might be better than all of them. Could you be. know, and that's still 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 New England. But you know, the question: if you want to get direct, you know, the Rams, the Chiefs, the you Saints. You are a copy it's, editor. Yeah, it's the Rams, the Chiefs, the Saints. That that's a that's a really tough one. But uh, right now, I I think the NFC is better. Mm. Uh, so it comes down to the Rams and the Saints, mm. and. Yeah, the, I think the Rams, you know, have some injured players. I'm still going to say the Rams. All right, fair enough. And listen, when you bring in, and, and right away also, I think it's so funny. You know, I don't have a lot of confidence in saying it, by the way. Trolls are going to troll, right? Right away, someone says none of the above because they're talking about the Patriots. They clearly, you as a, a copy a editor good, understand. It's a valid point. It's it is, but not movie. if you read yeah. the question and say who is the best right, one-loss exactly. team in the NFL. And that is why a copy editor like yourself should understand that words do, in fact, matter. When we talk about these two-loss teams, I mean, everyone's talking about the Patriots, but don't get it twisted. I have been talking, Scott. Remember, I said don't look now about two specific two-loss teams, and I think they both continue to show themselves, and we're talking about the Los Angeles Superchargers who go to 6-2 and two, with their only losses being to two teams that are in this poll, and don't forget about the Carolina Panthers as well. Cam Newton, Scott, actually increased his completion percentage in yesterday's effort for the season that we were all impressed about. We'll break that down and all sorts of you know other news nuggets injuries and insights for you we're taking two hours today roto experts in the morning on the fantasy sports radio network el rey de fantasia and the spitting statistician breaking down everything from week nine and looking to monday night football keep it locked come on right back the fantasy sports radio network is the only place to go for 24 7 fantasy sports advice once you download the fntsy sports radio app you'll get the most accurate experts and most entertaining programming in the fantasy sports world listen to great shows like fantasy football frenzy there you go right there goon squad game time decisions good teams win great teams cover fantasy freestyle you know what it is and plenty more Download the FNTSY Sports Radio app on your iPhone and Android devices now and take the best fantasy sports talk wherever life leads you. Welcome back. 
Brutal experts in the morning, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Groove is certainly in our hearts as we go to the second half of the fantasy football and the NFL regular season. We started the show, Scott, by breaking down the two games that involve one loss teams in the NFL. The 1972 Dolphins can pop the champagne. And it sounds like, Scott, you believe that the Rams maybe still hold that mantle, um, but it sounds like you're a little less confident about it. 62%, Scott, of the fans so far agree, and thanks to everybody that's voted so far, uh, almost two-thirds of the people are still going with the Rams as the top team in the NFL. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously an impressive win for the Saints. Uh, the Rams could have made a, st- a statement that, you know, we certainly are the best team in the NFL, uh, you know, because winning a game like that on the road is, you know, really a statement there. But they didn't make it yet. So uh, the Saints are certainly in that mix. But when the Rams get everybody healthy on defense, uh, there's going to be something else to be said. Not that defense is going to win championships anymore. It's just, you know, I'm wondering with the Saints on the road, you know, could they beat mm. the Rams? And I'm not so confident they can. While that is the case, it could be the case also, Scott, that as we play it out, that if the Saints have to play the Rams again, it will not be in Los Angeles. It'll be in that dome, and the crowd will stand up and get crunk. Um, Scotty, before we dive into some of these other games, I want to bounce some news and notes off you. Um, not a huge injury week. You know, we saw Chris Carson leave that Seattle game with a thigh injury, didn't really come back. You saw him on the sideline. But I will say this. There was a lot of offensive lineman injuries, Scott, yesterday, okay? The Denver center, Paredes, he gets carted off. You get uh, Balaga from Green Bay, one of their tackles. And remember, protecting Aaron Rodgers is obviously a huge deal. But the big one to me, honestly, when we talk about these offensive lines, Scott, was in our nation's capital, in Washington. They were already without Trent Williams. I think they lost three of their starting offensive linemen, Scott. We've been talking about the Washington football team as kind of non-dynamic without those playmakers riding the back of Adrian Peterson, a kind of ho-hum five and two, and that is not what happened up against Atlanta yesterday. They were unable to get anything going. How important is this? Because, you know, I've been talking about the Houston offensive line in years past, the Giants, the Seattle offensive line this year, the Minnesota offensive line. How much of an impact did all those O-line injuries do you think had on Adrian Peterson and the Washington football team? I think it was that plus the fact, you know, they kind of got game scripted too, uh, Hmm. you know, to the point that uh, Adrian Peterson really wasn't involved in the offense at all, at all yesterday. It had his worst game of the year, Uh, but it happens, you know, it's uh, some, some running backs once in a while, you know, even the very best ones who are younger than that, you know, will have a stinker here and there. You know, we saw it with, with Ezekiel Elliott uh, a few weeks ago when they played Washington. But Atlanta came in and uh, kind of proved that uh, what a lot of people are saying about Washington, that maybe they weren't as good as their record. Uh, but I, I kind of vacillate on that. I kind of go back and forth because they still had five wins. They just they played a very, very bad game all around. I think that was part of it. Uh you know, they could move. They had no playmakers yesterday. It's kind of easy to defend the, the Washington football team when they're they're kind of one dimensional. It's you know, if we get out to a lead, and you know, all the running game is going to get scripted out. Capri Bibbs was not part of the passing game like I thought he would be. 
Yeah, you mentioned Adrian Peterson with his worst game really of the season. Nine carries, 17 yards. He grabs another three catches for 16 yards. But after all the buzz about the bionic man of Adrian Peterson, 36, uh, 33 combined yards and three catches is not <clears throat> necessarily what you were looking for. But, uh, Scotty, when, when it comes to injuries, though, like I said, you know, this is a Carson. There were some of these offensive line ones. I think the biggest injury news we heard all weekend was actually from a team that was not playing. So before we dive into more of the games from week nine, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because Schefter is reporting. I actually have a kind of inside source who hit me on Twitter saying that they know, you know, servers at restaurants in the city that he's in and saw that this man could barely even walk. We saw the trainers late at the uh, last Cincinnati Bengals game checking out the knee and the toe of A.J. Green. There are now reports, Scott, that this toe could be an issue. Schefter saying that, you know, even though the Bengals had a bye this week, that A.J. Green, it sounds like, I think the term they use is going to miss, quote unquote, some games. And there's starting to be buzz out there that uh, this could be real serious. He may have to get shut down. Um, what do we think about A.J. Green, and um, how do you proactively plan for what it's being reported, him at least missing, quote-unquote, some games? Uh, that's why you listen to Inside Injuries. You know, uh, I think it was uh, Thursday on Roto Experts, uh, there was an article about uh, – actually, it was last Monday – they were talking about, you know, this toe is really concerned. It could be like a, a four-week injury here. And, and that's the rest of the regular season, the right? Yeah. That's the rest it, of the fantasy you, regular season, excuse me. Yeah, and, you know, when you, when you look at that, you know, that's not the first time they've been ahead of the game on injuries this season. That's why whenever Dr. A comes on or they post something on Roto Experts, you got to take it very, very seriously. I'm not trying to give a sales pitch. You know, these guys are just – that they're really good at what they do. And, you know, anytime, you know, it's something on the toe or the foot or something like that with a wide receiver, I think it's very, very concerning. So you're going to have to make some other contingency plans here, whether it's a trade, et cetera. Uh, and with Tyler Boyd, how, it's, how, how is this going to affect him either way? If he becomes the number one wide receiver, mm-hmm. is he capable of doing that? Right. You, you know, automatically, I think the knee jerker's reaction is more targets more production it doesn't work that way he's going to also get more defensive attention you don't know how he's going to respond I think his outlook is now a little foggy too I agree with that Scott you know like you said the layman will all of a sudden be like oh my goodness now it's all Tyler Boyd but I think the point that you make a lot of times is sometimes people are in their roles for a reason and sometimes that reason is because they can't handle more you know what I mean and what happens if everybody who's facing the Cincinnati Bengals is all of a sudden rolling safety coverage over to Tyler Boyd is he someone who can deal with that I just don't I don't necessarily think he is so Here's the thing, though, Scott. Now, we got four weeks left of the fantasy regular season. In most cases, you go through week 13 and the playoffs are, you know, 14, 15, 16. So if we're saying some games, to me, you know, every one day people put the two to four weeks, so four to six weeks. I think, like you said, the four weeks is very possible. And that would mean the, the rest of the fantasy regular season. So tell me if you agree with this, Scott. If you, after nine weeks, if you're seven and two, it's all good. I just let A.J. Green sit on my bench spot or, you know, if you have an out spot that you could put a guy like that on. But if you're, you know, four and five after this week and you own A.J. Green – and you need to, like, make a push to qualify, I, 
I trade AJ Green right now for eighty cents on the dollar. Yeah, I would. I, I like I said, you have to make a trade there. So if you want to move down from say AJ Green, you know, to like that mid wide receiver one, like that right, low wide receiver two. But then again, sure. that's going to be hard. You know, when we're talking it through, you know, I just thought like. If I have Emmanuel Sanders and you offer me A.J. Green, why am I going to take that? Why am I going to take your injured guy? Well, that's the thing. It becomes because you then, I think the record comes into play. Like I just said, if you're 7-2, and two, you can stand to you know plan for your playoff push. If you're 7-2, and two, if you're 8-1 and one after this week, I'm, all I'm doing is I'm looking to put forth my best, try to find how I can get my best possible lineup for weeks 14, 15, and 16. And to use your example, that may mean getting A.J. Green over an Emmanuel Sanders or someone else who's in a wide receiver 2 conversation. Whereas if you are 4-5, and five, you need it now. So you talk all the time, Scott about trying to look at another team's roster and make a fit. Usually that's about positions, right? Wide receiver depth, a, a, a tight end need. In this case, it could be about a record, you know, a, a team that needs to win now and getting, say, a wide receiver two, trading that wide receiver one f- to a team who can, uh, you know, kind of uh, ride it out and organize themselves for the playoffs. I think that's the way yeah, it would that, work. That, 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 that's a good point, but I think that, you know, that – that team is uh, you know, going to be, how should I say, it's going to be challenging to find because say, yeah. if you start wide re- three wide receivers, yeah. are you comfortable with taking that fourth wide receiver right. off your bench and putting him into your wide receiver three spot? So, you know, that, that's another that's factor that plays into it. <clears throat> Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, and then we'll move on to another piece of news over the weekend that I think is interesting here. I'm uh, knock on wood. <laughs> I am going to be eight and one in my long term dynasty league. Okay, I'm up. I'm up by 15 points. I have the Dallas defense. I'm facing the Tennessee defense. I think I, Dallas defense can outscore the Tennessee defense by 15 points tonight. But I knock on wood. I don't want that to be settled science, right? Uh, remember my bye week question for you previously. I have DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs as two of my wide receivers. They're both on bye next week. Maybe that would be the kind of team where he's got a good record. Is getting ready for the playoffs and has some bye week concerns kind of thing maybe i don't know i'm just trying to spitball yeah, and find people, ways maybe make it a two for two like something like wide, that right wide receiver and a running back so i could get my little bye coverage yep something like yeah. that you know that might be a way to get after it but think about it especially the moral of the story is here if you own aj green and you're in a position where you need to win in the next month to get to the playoffs, it sounds like the king and the spitting statistician is saying it's okay to flip them for your short-term urgency. Scott, the other piece of news that I think is very, very interesting here, and I don't know if he's going to latch on or not, but the cards cut Sam Bradford. I remember telling – I remember like – a month and a half or two months ago, I asked you that exact thing. Now that they made the move to Rosen and the fact that they had Mike Glennon still on the roster, I was like, what is Sam Bradford doing there? Remember, I was advocating for them to trade Sam Bradford somewhere like, oh, San Francisco when Jimmy G got hurt or somewhere that is struggling at quarterback like Jacksonville. And they could have at least got something back. Scott, then they just they just wind up cutting him now. Um Poor move by the Arizona front office when they could have got something from him a month ago? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I do give him credit, though, for admitting a mistake, you know, which which uh, the Buffalo Bills won't, won't seem to do. They'll seem yeah. to keep rolling Nathan, Nathan Peterman out there. So I at least give him credit for admitting a mistake. It was a mistake. They, they could have traded him to Buffalo, for goodness sakes. I, I Buffalo's looking called, for Derek Anderson. Called, 
They probably called them and they said, you know what? Uh, we got Derek Anderson. We got Nathan Peterman. Uh, We're, We're good fine. to go. Yeah. They also have Terrell Pryor, Scott. You think we could yeah. ever see TP3 under center for Buffalo at some point? A little Terrell Corey, Pryor, Corey Shady McCoy backfield. Corey I mean, was suggesting it yesterday. Do you realize with Shady McCoy, he has 24 yards in his last 24 carries? Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. But I will say this. If you remember the first drive on Monday night last week against New England, when they were doing all that stuff, a lot of motion, a lot of wildcat, that was the best chance they had. That's the best chance they've had in the last two weeks against Chicago or last week against New England. That first drive when they were trying to be gimmicky and gadgety, if you want to know the truth. And so maybe the best thing for them is, in fact, to go ahead and put Terrell Pryor and Shady McCoy back there. Yeah, Shady, though, is a big, big concern right now. Yeah. I think in a 10-team league, he's, he's, you can cut him right now. I don't think you can't cut him. You Why? Can, just because just because of the name? Just because of the name of Shady McCoy? No, that's because he is a starting running is? back in the NFL. No, because he's a starting so, running back in the NFL. So, just because he starts doesn't mean he's posting good numbers. Uh, I didn't say he's posting good numbers, but what Cut I do Derek is because Henry, he's a, he's a starter. No, Deion Lewis to me is their number one running back. Yeah, but you know what though? We'll get in the weeds here. You know who's on the field for the first play of the game? It's like who's uh, the number one running back for the Bills, Scott? It's Shady McCoy. That, that, that doesn't mean that I, I want him on my roster in a 10-team league. You look yeah. at his game log. It's absolutely awful. Yeah, but, you know, the game log is one thing. That does not mean – you say it also. Previous stuff does not predict future results necessarily. I mean, he is still a number one running back. Or the, word, the term starter, I understand. You know, he is the number one running back in the NFL. And, uh, you know, so on any given by a, So, okay, we're going to disagree. You're going to go by a label, and I'm not going to. I'm going to go by production. Fair enough. I, I think it's, legit, I, it's legitimate to consider legitimate to consider cutting him in a ten-team league. Well, now you're now you're 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 qualifying again. You're now you're saying you're considering it. I, I think you leave strongly him on the considering bench. it. Strongly right. considering it. Let me ask you though, as we go back to Sam Bradford, listen. Do you think he's on a? Do you think he's on another roster somewhere? Could he be in Miami over Brock Osweiler? Could he be in Tampa over the ridiculousness that's going on there? Could he be there as a backup in New York to a backup to Eli? Could he be in Jacksonville in case Bortles defecates the mattress anymore? Do you think Bradford latches on somewhere in the next, you know, week or two? Uh, I think it's possible he latches on as a backup, but I, I think there's something going on there that you know we're just not hearing about that's not public, you know, maybe it's a health thing. I don't know what it is. Going because, on where? With Bradford? Yeah. I I don't know I don't know what it is because, you know, that's the type of guy that you at least should keep on the roster as a backup, but then again, what would they still have Drew Stanton there, I think, as a backup? No, Who's it's Mike Glennon backup? they have. Mike, Mike Glennon, Glennon. Yeah, you still want to keep a veteran guy there to maybe like you know, be that player coach type to your young quarterback. Maybe they feel that Glennon could be that sort of guy. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously they feel that like Glennon's that sort of guy over Bradford, at least, because Glennon still has a job when he wakes up on Monday, November 5th, right? The only one place, the thing is, listen, I know one place where Bradford doesn't look like he's going to go, and that's San Francisco. They came out and said that likely it is going to be the kid Nick Mullins. We didn't have a chance to talk on Friday, Scott, but the kid Nick Mullins, they say, is likely going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season in San Francisco, and after his effort on Thursday night, it's hard to disagree, right, Six 16 to 22, 262 yards and three touchdowns. But more importantly, the kid had a feel for the offense. The moment did not look too big for him. Looks like Nick, St Nick Mullins has overtaken C.J. Beathard. For now, he certainly has. You know, he came in there and he did a really nice job of taking what the defense gives him. 
And, you know, the team was certainly in his corner. You could see they like him in the locker room. You know, they got a very excited uh, for him after, you know, every, every score, after every completion, you know, the way they were treating him on the sidelines. You could just read all of that. But right. then again, you know, the Raiders, you know, they don't have any film. And no matter who they were playing, they don't have any film on the guy. So it's hard to game plan for him. So, look, one really, really good game, and he's worth a pickup. You know, in a, of course, in a two quarterback league or et cetera, mm-hmm. somebody to monitor if you, for your bye weeks. But I'm not going to overreact to one game and say, you know, this guy's going to be a quality quarterback going forward. I think, you know, you got to string together two or three good starts before you get the stronger consideration. Fair enough. Let me ask you about this, though, Scott. You mentioned that the Raiders didn't have any film on him. You know what else the Raiders didn't have? They didn't have any pride. They didn't have any heart. They didn't have any soul. And it made me and uh, George Kurtz wonder if this is what happens with some of these tanking teams. You know the San Francisco 49ers have up next on their schedule? The New York football Giants. And there's legitimate questions on if the Giants will have any pride, heart, or soul either. So maybe Nick Mullins has the opportunity to string two together like you suggest yeah you know what if it's two it's still two uh you know against the giants i didn't realize they were still baseball giants there uh there are baseball giants they just do not reside in the polo grounds they do not reside in the polo grounds anymore there are some aau teams i know about though that would still fit that description (laughs) when we come back we dive into some more of the week nine games what to react to and if there's any early waiver ideas for you to think about it's the spitting statistician and el rebe fantasia when we come back we're putting the fun and functional sports radio it's roto experts in the morning on the fantasy sports radio network DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back. Roto Experts in the morning. We got with OPP, other people's players. That's what we're trying to find out here. It's the Spitting Statistician and the King, Scott Angle, as we look back on all of the Week 9 games and we get you ready for Monday Night Football, which will tie a little bow on Week 9 tonight when the Tennessee Titans travel down to Jerry's World to take on the Cowboys. Both of those teams coming off a bye. We'll let you know how we feel on that game. The line has come down on that one, Scott. I know you and I both have the Cowboys and Survivor picks this week. The Cowboys started at six-point favorites. They're down now to four-and-a-half-point favorites. Late money coming in on Tennessee. Maybe it's the Sharps. Does that concern you, Scott, with the sharp money late coming in on Tennessee against our Survivor pick? No, it doesn't at all. Uh, okay. you know, I think I, I really think that Dallas is going to dominate their game. That uh, dominate this game. They're much better at home. Uh, I think the Tennessee defense is going to spend too much time on the field, and the Dallas the Dallas defense I think is actually a little kind of underrated. So yeah, you know, I I see Dallas winning this game decisively. I hope so, because I need them in a number of ways. I told you I own shares of the Dallas defense. I need them in a league. Uh, 
where I hope to go 8-1, and one, but we'll talk about that game in earnest a little bit later on in the show. I want to dive into some of these 1 o'clock games. We even talked about Nick Mullins all the way back on Thursday. Because I didn't get a chance to speak with Scott on Friday. Thanks, big shout out, of course, to George Kurtz, filling in admirably. But what we also do here on Monday is a little programming note. As we take this hour and the following hour, Fantasy Sports Today, there's no blue it in the chair. Scott and I stay for two hours to break down what we saw. So let's dive on in. We talked about, you know, kind of the, the ridiculousness of Shady McCoy, who goes 10 carries for 10 yards. And it's questionable if he's even, you know, rosterable. Scott says he's a cut candidate. I say you just bench and stash him. But regardless, he's not performing. But no, the Buffalo Bills aren't as a team. Scott, the Chicago defense outscored the Buffalo Bills. The Bears go 41-9 victories. They get to 5-3 and three on the season. And that NFC North is still kind of anybody's race. You know, the Packers stumble again. They are a, a cool 500. The Vikings, they do get a win. You know, um, they do get that W. And they go, what, what do they go to? Let's see, they go to 5-3-1. and one, But the Bears are right there at 5-3 and three, hanging in. We know you know, defense is kind of uh, like the unicorn right now in the NFL, but the Bears defense, they ride that defense to victory, completely shutting down the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and, uh, you know, not great offensive numbers whatsoever, and I'm being kind there, but dude, they, they really didn't need to. It really was about the defense winning the day, and certain defenses yesterday, like, like them and uh, the Vikings and the Dolphins, you know, they really boosted you because, you know, I'm looking at a lot of my scores, you know, in the games that I've won or the games that other teams have won. And, you know, you see like fours, fives, zeros from a lot of guys. And then the defense really boosts the team's total. So you got to be very, very careful mm-hmm. about what defenses you're picking, uh, you know, when you have six teams on a bye, which is going to happen again in week 11. Yep, absolutely. Here's what I want to ask you about the Chicago side of things, Scott. I know you've been big on – um. Tariq Cohen, you know, previously. You've been high on Cohen. Cohen didn't do much, okay? Six carries, five yards, only one catch. Now, I understand, and here's my question for you as we spin it forward. I understand that this has a lot to do with game script, right? And when the Bears are up big, Jordan Howard is that prototypical kind of inside the tackles back. He gets 14 carries for 47 yards. He gets into the end zone twice. My question for you is going forward, Is it almost as simple to be like when the Bears are big favorites and you think they're going to win the game, you prefer Howard because they're going to grind it out if they need to run out the clock in the second half? And if you expect the Bears to be in a more competitive game than the more dynamic weapons, a la Tyree Cohen, stay on the field more? You know, like I remember it used to be like with the Patriots. I think it used to be like, oh, is this a James White or I forget who it even was at that point in time, maybe Gillisley or like a someone else kind of game. Can we now say that about the Bears and thinking that? That again, if you see a matchup against, say, like a team like the Bills or any other dregs, if they play the Giants or the Niners, would you be like, oh, Eileen Howard in this game? Where if it's more of a competitive game or one where you think they're going to be behind, then it's going to be Cohen on the field? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's matchup driven. I think it's just with the danger with a guy like Tariq Cohen is that he makes the most of every touch. And, you know, yesterday just. There wasn't a lot of volume, et cetera, but there's always a danger that, you know, when he plays a good defense, you know, that maybe he doesn't get the yardage after the catch, et cetera. You know, he's he's a boom-bust type to a certain degree. You know, we saw, we saw a really bad stretch, like at the beginning of the season, and then we saw a really good stretch. And then yesterday, which looks like the bad stretch again, 
you know, with Tariq Cohen, you just take your risk anytime you put a, put out there. It's you know, it could be matchup driven in terms of who they're facing, and you know, does the team have weak linebackers or not? What if they're facing a team with a strong linebacking crew, <laughs> but they're really in the game? So it's it's really really hard to read. You take a risk every time you put Tariq Cohen in your lineup. All right, but the Bears at 5-3 and three are sitting right there in the NFC North. And remember, in the NFC at least, you got the Saints and the Rams with one loss. You have the Panthers with two losses. And then you got some three-loss teams, okay, and... You know, the Bears and the Vikings, that's where like kind of like that's where the NFC North comes in. You know what I mean? And you still also have the Washington football team at five and three. Although a lot of people, it sounds like, believe that it's turning midnight for them. They're about to turn into a pumpkin, and that pumpkin is Fugazi. Forget about him. Let's keep it moving here. Another game, Scotty, before we hit the top of the hour that I want to talk about. And another game where I made a couple of shekels at the sports book yesterday. The Kansas City Chiefs, 37 to 21 over the Cleveland Browns. We'll talk about the Chiefs in a second. Let's go to the Browns here who fall to 2-6-1, and one, but it was the first game under kind of the new regime, shall we say. Bruce Arians was up in the booth calling the game. It was his prodigy calling plays for Baker. I guess my question for you here is, did you see anything different, Scott, in the Browns' offense and the way the Browns approached the ball? It did look to me like they were trying to get the ball out of Baker's hands a little quicker. Uh, yeah, I certainly saw it different in the fact that, you know, they used more of their weaponry. There was more diversity in their attack, in their weaponry, et cetera. Sure. You, know, you had Nick Chubb throwing the ball, but the biggest thing is getting Duke Johnson reinvolved in the offense, which seems to mm. be very smart when you consider outside Jarvis Landry, who's reliable? Really nobody. Njoku is not somebody you can rely on, as we certainly saw last week when there was a zero. So. They're getting Duke Johnson involved a lot more, and a lot of people cut Duke Johnson. He's going to be a top waiver pickup this week. So I think there was more diversity in the passing game. Uh, Sam Garns, the former Jet Giant, you know, who appears on Lineup Locked Live, was was making a really good point about, uh, you know, Haley was thinking one thing and Hugh Jackson was thinking another, and it was just, and then he had the quarterback coach. There were too many guys that were mm, just too many in, steps in Baker, the Baker make. Baker Mayfield's ear about what to do. One guy's telling him one thing, another guy's telling him another. So they kind of they kind of streamlined everything yesterday. Interesting. I think you make a great point, uh, Scotty, about Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson catches nine balls for seventy-eight yards, gets in the end zone twice, and to your point, they're spreading it around. And Joku with four catches, Callaway with three, Landry with six, Rashad Higgins is back with three, and Nick Chubb gets one. That's my next question for you for the Cleveland Browns, Scotty. I mean, okay, Duke Johnson is definitely. It looks like back as a force, as a pass catching back, right? But Nick Chubb gets 22 carries, 85 yards, and a score. I know you do your in-season rank, Scott, in the middle of the week, and those are kind of, you know, not rest of season and not just the following week because of the matchups. We've always talked about it being kind of like the next four weeks. At this point in time, that's the rest of the regular season for fantasy football. So, Scott, I got to ask you, is Nick Chubb, for the rest of the regular season, when you're going to have four buys in a week, you're going to have six buys in a week. Um, is Nick Chubb, I, 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 I don't want to even say it, but is Nick Chubb a back-end RB1? I've been ranking him there for about three weeks right now, ever since the trade. So, uh, like two weeks, ever since the trade. The guy's going to get a lot of volume, and he's going to score regularly. So, uh, you know, I had him as like a 
basically top 11 running back for like the last two plus weeks. All right, absolutely. So the answer to that question, it sounds like, is yes, he is an RB1 moving forward. You can go on and get full Chubb without remorse. You ain't got to hide it. You can go full on Chubb and be proud of it with Cleveland. Let's go to the other side of things, Scott. The Kansas City Chiefs continue to dominate, right? Eight and one now. Don't look now, but the Patriots are right behind them for AFC kind of uh, seeding. And you know I've been hyping the Chargers. We'll get to them a little bit later on in the show. But Patty Mahomes does it again. Scott, uh, there was a prop bet at the sports book that I was at yesterday. It was like Patty Mahomes over under 308 passing yards. You know which way I bet, Scott? Which way did you bet? bet I bet the over, and I cashed a ticket. He goes 23 for 32, 375 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. At this point, Scott, I really, like, I don't know what to say right now in terms of analysis with the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, Patty Mahomes? Yup. Kareem Hunt? Yup. Travis Kelsey? Yup. Tyreek Hill? Sure. You know, like, I'm saying the same damn thing about these Chiefs every single week. Like, uh, I don't know. Do you have anything new to add on the Kansas City Chiefs, Scott? <laughs> uh, not really. Travis Kelsey did his thing. Kareem Hunt is uh, is the number two fantasy running back in fantasy football again. Uh, you wow. know, with the kind of numbers that he's putting up both as a runner and a receiver. Uh, last year was Gurley and Hunt 1-2, and I think yeah. it's Gurley and Hunt 1-2 again. Uh, Sammy Watkins is uh, the most relevant number three wide receiver uh, from any NFL team right now, there's always the danger of him eh, dropping a dud. I don't and, know about uh, that, you know, Scotty. Uh, give me a third receiver on a team that's uh, that, that, that you think Whoever you consider the third Watkins. receiver of Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, or Brandon Cooks. Whoever you consider uh, those that they're three, I would rather have than Sammy Watkins. So Sammy Watkins is probably the best number three wide receiver in the AFC. Well, there you go, Scotty. Yeah. I like that. I like yeah. what you did there, Scotty. And, you yeah. know, at least at first glance, I cannot argue with that. Um, yeah. So talk to me about Watkins. Go ahead. Yeah, Watkins, like I said, you know, he's been putting up pretty good numbers the last few weeks. And overall, you know, he did have – he does have a dud or two. And I mean, the number three wide receiver uh, in most teams except for the Rams is a danger of a dud being <laughs> dropped any time. Fair enough, and I know we're going to get into it a little bit later on. I believe that the name Williams will be asked a lot about in waiver wires, Scott, and I'm talking about the wide receivers out there for the Chargers. There's Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, and Mike Williams. I'm not saying that necessarily they're better than Watkins, but I know we're going to get there, but now that you got me jumping around a little bit, what Williams do you like better? I want to hear what you say first. I'm curious. I think Terrell is the more consistent, and I think Mike is the big play guy. Uh, the, I think Mike is the touchdown guy, but Terrell, I think, is the safer floor. Yeah, but Terrell scored in, like, what was it, like three consecutive games or something like that? Yeah. To me, they're, they're the same wide receiver. It's okay. Just, I, think Ter- <laughs> I think I think Terrell is uh, – I got to look at the game lock to see if I'm correct okay. on that, but I know, I know Terrell has gotten in the end zone recently. Uh, Have you ever seen them both at the same place at the same time? Could they be the same person? No, no. One wears number 81, (laughs) the other one wears number 16. But uh, when you're talking about Mike Williams, it's it's one catch for a touchdown or bust. Yeah. Uh, You know, Terrell Williams is not reliable, but he's he's been he's been getting more catches over the last three weeks, and he's also gotten in the end zone. So I'm going to lead Terrell Williams right now. Although I think uh, Mike Williams is criminally underutilized. 
Yeah, fair enough. Hey, Scotty, I want to congratulate the thousands of people who had profitable Major League Baseball seasons in DFS, okay, using the Daily Roto Optimizer. Now, halfway through the NFL season, the NFL Optimizer is producing millions in winnings for subscribers, hundreds of thousands for others, and, you know, some of the cash for everybody. And also, the NBA is popping off right now, okay, so the NBA lineup optimizer is also available. Subscribers are crushing it on a nightly basis over there. If you're hooked, you can now buy, excuse me, you can now buy the DailyRoto.com Elite Package, giving you access year-round to the suite of successful tools and projections that DailyRoto.com subscribers have been using to basically print money in all sports. And when you sign up for the Elite Package, you get the new NFL betting tools they've rolled out, including against the spread, money line, game totals, and player props. So head on over to DailyRoto.com, click on the Go Premium tab, and check out what the Elite Package has to offer. If you're not doing it, you are at a competitive disadvantage and you are doing it wrong. So go on over to DailyRoto.com, go premium tab, check out the Elite Package, enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and start winning today. Scotty, before we have head to the uh, top of the hour, I mentioned things like Chris Carson. I mentioned things like some of the offensive linemen. I wanted to flag, obviously, the A.J. Green injury. Are there any other big injuries that you see this week that, you know, kind of is of note for you? Or was it really pretty much a light injury week? And I ask that because a light injury week this far into the season may mean a light waiver wire week as well. I don't know if it necessarily means a light waiver wire week because, you know, you still have a lot of buys and everything. And, uh, maybe lighter, but uh, I don't know about light period because some people are still going to have to scramble to the waiver wire to scramble for replacements because there's still four teams on a bye. So I don't know if it's light. I would say lighter uh, mm-hmm. for sure with six teams on a bye and, and maybe some less injuries too. Uh, but there's, I think you pretty much covered everything. The, the Chris Carson thing was very interesting because – you know, my attitude was if he plays, you start him. And then he had a really good, first, impressive first carry. And then you really didn't see him at all a lot. Uh, you don't want to see anybody hurt. That's the problem with Chris Carson. As good as he has been, uh, he, he came into the game like one of the top guys in, the, in a yardage before contact, according to Pro Football Focus, and was still having high ratings for breaking tackles and yardage after contact. That's how well he was playing. But you cannot depend on the guy to stay healthy. And he got 17 PPR points out of Mike Davis if he started him, which I did in three leagues. All right, fair enough. So hopefully, remember at the top of the show, when I asked how you're doing, you said you had a good fantasy day. So maybe Mike Davis was a big part of that. If you started him in three leagues, hopefully you got three Ws. He was a, he, he was a, he was a welcome contributor. A welcome contributor. Sounds good, Scott. In the league that I am in with you in the Greenwich Street Tavern League, I see you are primed, my friend, to go to 7-2, and two, which is obviously a strong start as you look to defend your title. Our guy, Mike Blewett, in that league, however, is looking to go to 8-1. and one. And I got to tell you, the spitting statisticians are not doing so bad themselves. They are primed, it looks like, to get another win. They are a point and a half down. But with my opponent done for the week, I still have Dion Lewis to go tonight. You think I'm in good shape, Scotty? You think Dion Lewis can get me the point and a half I need to get another W in the GST League? Yes, yeah, it's all about you right now. You know, I'll definitely say I think you got a really good chance, and congratulations on the victory. 
Absolutely. It wasn't all about me. I started that whole transition saying what you were doing, my friend, that you were going to go to 7-2. and two, And then I gave love to our other guy here that usually hosts the show, FST, that we're talking about, Mike Blewett. I'm giving love to a lot of people, the entire Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And we come back. It's going to be our number two. We'll recap some of the top stories. We'll check in on our poll. And we'll dive in on some more games that took place in yesterday in week nine as we put the fun functional sports content it's fantasy sports radio network dane and scott come on right back <laughs> 